This session is going to focus on self-control. Um, I mentioned last week, or we kind of briefly started into this, and uh, then after talking with Tim, decided we, you know, we were kind of putting two up there every week and then kind of just getting to one. So uh, instead of doing that this week, decided to just actually do one. Um, so we're going to focus on self-control this week so we can take a deeper dive into it, really examine what the scriptures say, and then uh, dive a little bit deeper into, you know, how do we, how do we battle this in our own life? Um, so without further ado, let's jump right in. Um, I I've just keep this slide on here because I think, as we've all said, it's just so good to uh, just have a good con- contextual reminder of why and how we are doing this. This is always with the grounded roots of the gospel, never moving on from the gospel. And we're going to look at that and how that applies. This isn't just merely self-improvement. Uh, this is with a purpose for glorifying God. And so uh, we're, we're reminded that that's our purpose. So with, uh, with lack of self-control, I put this up here last week, but I'm going to, uh, again, put it up here because I think it's so helpful. Uh, self-control, Bridges says, is a governance or prudent control of one's desires, cravings, impulses, emotions, and passions. It's moderation in legitimate desires and activities and absolute restraint in areas that are clearly sinful. And so I think this, with this working definition, we're going to dive deeper into some biblical texts and work that out. What does that actually look like? Bridges brings up that uh, we often or seldom say no to our own desires and emotions. We talked a little bit last week about self-denial, and we didn't get to jump into this, so I want to really hit this before we take a look at what the societal look of self-control is versus the biblical look at self-control. So we're going to start by contrasting that uh, kind of along the the lines of what Tim was saying. How does this look different for us as believers? But before we get there, let's, let's... kind of discuss this and think about this. Uh, with this definition of self-control, uh, what is at the root of lack of self-control? You see a lot of biblical admonitions there, but as you think through this in your own heart, maybe think through moments that you or I have lacked self-control in a specific area, perhaps, uh, what is at the root? What's going on there? What are the lies that can be perpetuated or that we're believing when we lack self-control. And I'll kind of open this up as we get started just to get the wheels turning here. I think for me it's a lack of contentedness. Um, You know, I find myself when I feel like my present circumstances aren't what I want, then I tend to, you know, try to respond in the flesh by... um, I don't know, doing something else, but not being contented with where I am. And so I think for me, contentedness is part of it. Mm, almost a distraction, mm-hmm. kind of, like, yeah. get away from that. Yeah, it's good. Other thoughts, so some, some perhaps roots? I was just saying, you like, completely satisfied in Christ. Mm. Uh, seeing him as completely and totally actually sufficient mm. uh, in our lives. I feel like a lot of times that I've seen the lack of self-control, like trying to fill a void that they can't really be filled yeah. apart from Christ, uh, which is foolish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah. 
replacing Christ worship with worship of other things. Yeah. Other, yeah. So, uh, following on what you said about contentment, uh, the idea is you have certain expectations uh, to produce that contentment. You get frustrated in that, and so then you act impulsively Mm. find ways to to fill that Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially when our plans get disrupted, as you said, right? It's okay if our plans work, are working out, but what happens when they get disrupted? It's uh, just throw in the towel, right? Yeah. And go on impulse. And go on impulse, yeah. This is what I need to do to make myself feel. Yep. Yep. Good. Good. Well, I don't want to linger too long at that, but. I do think that looking at this is going to help us as we take a biblical look. Um, what type of sins does lack of self-control lead to? I'm going to table that for a second because I, I think we're going to come back to that in a minute. So I want to jump into this, which I think is hopefully going to be very helpful. So let's, let's take a look at um, what Christians believe versus societal definitions. And uh, we were, I was kind of chatting with some uh, people beforehand about this a little bit. Uh, but we often look at athletes as like penultimate self-control, right? Um, like, wow, look at what they can accomplish like with their body and w- all the discipline it takes. And certainly there's an element that we can appreciate, right? Uh, that takes a lot of diligence and discipline. Uh, but Bridges brings up, you know, uh, that often this can be deceiving. We will praise ourselves for control in one little area and then completely lack control in an area that's extremely important. Um, You see this with athletes, potentially. Um, Example, training the body, but not the temper. Um, You know, you have huge ego, something doesn't go right, and immediately you see lashes of anger. Well, that's not self-control in the area that arguably probably matters more than bodily training. Um, And so really what we're seeing here is, I think, and as we kind of dig in deeper, uh, societal definition of self-control is very different than the Bible's definition or what we learned from the Bible about self-control. And we're going to examine some of the ways that they're different in a minute. Um, but I, I did want to throw that out there as a question. You know, what, what are some ways that we see self-control viewed in society? And perhaps maybe even diagnosing what, why are those ways not biblical or why are they not helpful? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, John. Uh, I think uh, self-control in the world can be very viewed as very man-centered mm. and like, oh, I'm just—it's very egotistical in a way of like, oh, I can wake up at four a.m. and like go work out <laughs> or do all these things. But I think the Bible's view is very like God-centered, mm. and rooted in humility. Oh, amen. That's really good. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? When I think of like worldly self-control, I think of those like guys that are super popular now, like Tate and Liver King, and like all those like big buff guys. (laughs) I don't know who any of those are, but that's okay. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Among people my age. (laughs) I don't know how to take that. Who are like self-help, like you need to 
distractions get in your way, like buckle down, make as much money as you can. Yeah. Those are like, society sees those guys as like self-discipline, yeah. but really I think it's more like self-absorption. Mm. And it's like a total twisting of the idea of self-discipline, yeah. which is like disciplining yourself to pour yourself out to others, not mm. just to make yourself better. Yeah, it's good. Excellent. Yeah. Other thoughts, Jen? I think uh, a key difference, Bible versus society, is that the Bible roots self-control really squarely in the spirit. Mm. So, uh, Galatians 5, verse 16, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The world really has no category for true self-control because the Bible puts that squarely as being in the spirit. The only way that we're in the spirit is as believers. And so yeah. those deeper things that really amount to how we have a relationship with another person are not just physical. They mm. really come from being joined to the spirit. Amen. Yeah, it's good. Good. Yeah, Eric. Um, a long time ago, I've heard someone say that in order to lead others, you need to lead yourself. And I think uh, that phrase indicates like a man-centered idea of self-control. Mm. hit on a lot of these, but uh, here's uh, three errant views of self-control. Um, self-control is not simply willpower. I put up just this little clip that you can't read, but it's from Psychology Today, um, and uh, it's just a popular article, and basically they equate self-control with willpower, right? Um, so let's see, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about that, but let's turn to Colossians one twenty nine. Um, we're going to be in Colossians for a couple verses, so it's probably uh, good to camp out here for a minute. And this is kind of going along the lines with, I think, what was already mentioned. I think Jed mentioned something along this line, but we see this tension in Scripture that isn't a tension for, for Scripture, <laughs> Uh, because we see equally that sanctification is an outworking through the power of the Spirit um, and also with man's will. Uh, We are making choices, right? And we're making choices of our own volition. However, where does that come from? It comes from the Spirit. And so Scripture doesn't hold these in in tension. It holds them as parallel railroad tracks, um, to use the analogy, going down the line, and at some point they, they're intersecting. Um, they're, not, they're not truths that are, uh, that are contradicting each other. So let's look at Colossians 1.29. For this purpose, I also labor, 
Paul says, striving according to his working, which he works in me in power. And so we see that, again, what's something we probably, we might hold as attention is not attention in scripture. He's saying, I'm working, but I'm working with the power of Christ in me. It's through the spirit. Um, So this kind of negates the popular notion that self-control is just pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. If I just try harder, boy, I had a bad day yesterday, but I'm going to wake up today and I'm just going to kill it, right? Uh, That's not what self-control is. That's not the motivation for it. It's not where the power for it comes from. It's truly through the spirit. You could go to Galatians for that as well. Um, Self-control is also not denying ourselves of all earthly pleasure. I think this is kind of the other end of the spectrum, right? Where you'd say asceticism is denying, the more I deny myself pleasure in good things, you know, food or, you know, if you take this all the way to monasticism, uh, becoming a monk, living secluded, and the more I just, even self-debasement, then I'm going to be more holy. But scripture doesn't doesn't buy into that either, um, because in in the end, that is a self-worship. Uh, because you're making yourself the center of, of worship. So let's look at Colossians 2. So just flip over to Colossians 2. You might not even have to flip. Colossians 2, 20 to 23. Paul has something to say about this. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees? Do not handle nor taste, nor touch, which deal with everything destined to perish with use, which are in accordance with the commands and teachings of men, which are matters having to be sure a word of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly (laughs) indulgence. So what Paul's saying here is these things, denying yourself more and more isn't any way to stop the actual desires, he says, uh, they're of no value against fleshly indulgence. So the more we deny ourselves, it's not doing anything to deal with the root, right? Uh, the root cause of that is our, our selfishness. So the more we deny ourselves earthly pleasures, it's not as if we're just becoming more and more holy. Um, and then the last, I think, uh, errant view, and these are just three that I pulled out. There may be more. Uh, but the goal of self-control is not self at all. And I think we've talked extensively about this, but you can see this in uh, Corinthians and second Peter and Galatians, as Jed pointed out um, that the goal of self-control is Christ's glorification. It's to be more like Christ and to honor Christ with our bodies and with our minds and with what we've been given. I think of Romans 12, right? Uh, Therefore, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. So it is our pleasure, it's our delight to be able to to do this, right? Um, And so I think this are three ways that uh, we can see how it's different from society. Any other thoughts on the difference? Because I really wanted to hit that first, because I think it's important to understand how this differs because immediately when we think self-control, we can jump into just, you know, I think these views that society has bombarded into us. So we're going to take a biblical look at it, but yeah, any thoughts before then? Um, I can't remember which Timothy is, but he says, or which letter Timothy is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he says uh, the training of the body has benefit, but it's limited benefit. Yeah. But then training in godliness is not only beneficial now, 
Amen. And I think, you know, if our worship or if our self control is worship, that's going to be where our difference is versus the world. Yeah. Because they, I mean, they could literally do the same thing, but if they're not focused on the Lord, it's not compared to them. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. It's good. Yeah. Sometimes we think of self control as something that we know what the outcome looks like and what it's going to be, but I think when we are trusting the Lord to develop self control within us, there's more godliness to be obtained mm-hmm. than like what we can see on the outside. Yes. Yeah. Knowing who Christ yeah. is through you know the the suffering Amen. Yeah, it's not just an external band aid put on, but an internal working. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Um, just one thing, it's kind of already been touched on a little bit, but I think one of the big differences is just the, the focus of self-control. Like mm. For a believer, the focus is on controlling yourself in the, in the areas where the Bible commands us to be certain things and not be certain things, yep. to be a certain way, through the Spirit, all those, all those things. Um, whereas worldly self-control is often not focused on those things, it's focused on something else that might be a uh, an interest or a, a priority for that person, but it's not a, it's not a biblical mandate. Mm-hmm. I think it's just crucial issues. Like yeah. We're called to have self-control in very specific areas. That's really good. Yeah, that's why, I think that's why I like this definition, or I found this so helpful. Uh, where he says it's moderation in legitimate desires and activities, but then we have absolute restraint where these clear areas of, of biblical self-control have to take place. Yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. It almost seems like the world is, sees it as, like, for how people see you. Like, you know, you wouldn't want someone to see you, like, mm. yelling and throwing things yeah. in your anger, but then if you're going to do something in secret and lack self-control, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You can go home and drink all you want at your house. But like you would want yeah. the world to see you. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, the motivation there is just how I appear. Yeah, but it's shallow. That's really good. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Like self-control is a fruit of the spirit, and therefore it's a gift of God. So biblical self-control would be totally a gift and given yeah. to, to a believer. Yeah. Whereas, so one is by faith, and then one is by like sure, sure will of man, which doesn't really profit. Amen. Yeah. Good. Excellent. All right, so let's dig in a little bit here to some of these. I put this up here last week. I'm not going to hit this again, but there are kind of three words in the Bible that we see as self-control, and they're three different Greek words that have a slightly different meaning and context. Um, So just know as we go through, we're kind of lumping these all together, but there are slight distinctions um, in how we interpret those. So um, I think a brief survey of Peter is going to be helpful. I wasn't going to do this, but as I was going through and studying, I just kept seeing these pop up in Peter's gospel. And um, what's really, I I guess it shouldn't surprise us, it's Peter, right? Um, And so what we know from Peter, from the gospels, is that there was a a clear battle with this sin, right? Um, Peter, the one who always put his foot in his mouth, and Peter who denied Christ, and all of these things. So the Lord was certainly working on Peter in the area of self-control. There's no doubt about that. And so we see this on Peter's mind. It, it's constantly a theme in First Peter and Second Peter uh, that we see uh, having this self-control, this soberness in spirit. Uh, we talked last week about just a general warning 
against lack of control, uh, Proverbs, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So there's a clear admonition of a negative motivation there. But I, as we all pointed out, I think the gospel and for New Covenant believers, it is a positive motivation here. Uh, and so let's look at Peter and just pull out a couple of these. I summarized them in the points, but I think reading these is going to be really helpful just to get a clear sense of why are we motivated? What are some of the motivations for self-control? So First Peter, uh, we'll start with one. Thirteen to fifteen. So, um, soberness in spirit or self-control is uh, it prepares our minds for actions and holiness and pursuit of holiness. So, you read here. Therefore, having girded your minds for action, being sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not being conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. So we see this as a preparation, as our minds are fixed on the goal, the prize of Christ, uh, that self-control or soberness prepares us for that pursuit. Uh, the picture, I, I think, it's been a while since we've been in First Peter, but the picture, picture of girding up your loins is... Um, you know, wearing a tunic, you couldn't move very swiftly or prepare to move uh, quickly at all. And so they would gather up the trains of their robe and tuck it into their belts to prepare. This was common for warriors um, or even people of that day who needed to do work. It was a symbol for just getting ready to work. And so that goes hand in hand with soberness of spirit, self-control, uh, getting ready to work, preparing your minds for action. And so this is really a precursor here to a pursuit of holiness. Our action is a spiritual warfare. So let's go to um, soberness in spirit. Uh, is, and sound thinking prepare us for prayer. So 1 Peter 4, 7, we see the same word. And we could dive real deep into these, but I just want to provide a survey so we can think through these things. First uh, Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be of sound thinking and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. And so we see a very clear goal or motivation to be sober in spirit here is for the purpose of prayer, uh, to prepare our hearts to pray to the Lord. Uh, the end of all things is, is at hand. Prepare for prayer. Prepare your minds for action. Um, and then First Peter 5, 8, says, be sober, be of sober spirit, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so we see that soberness in spirit also equips us for spiritual warfare against the devil. And uh, lastly, flip to Second Peter 1, 8 through 9. In a list, we could start at verse 6. You see in verse 6 that self-control is mentioned specifically uh, in a long list of qualities to fan the flames of. But verse 8 picks up with that. For if these things, which self-control is included, are yours and are increasing, 
They render you neither useless or unfruitful in the full knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For in whom these things are not present, that one is blind, being nearsighted, having forgotten purification from former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and choosing sure. For in doing those, these things, you will, you will never stumble. And we go on to receive an admonition. Um, skip to verse 12 real quick. Therefore, uh, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been strengthened in the truth which is present with you. And so I think as we've pointed out here, uh, we, these are gifts. This is a spiritual gift. And so we as believers can rejoice that we have these gifts. Uh, They're already ours. And we see this constant admonition in Scripture, be what you already are. And this is another one of those, that you have self-control. Fan the flame of self-control. That's a good thing, right, Uh, for the glory of God. We're not going to look up all these because it will take a little too much time, but if you want to write some of these down, we've mentioned some already. Uh, Self-control is a gift, and we said that. Be what you are. Self-control is also an expectation for church leaders. Um, So this is something that's clearly listed in Titus and in Timothy uh, as a requirement for elders who are going to lead the church to have self-control. So we see the importance of self-control in all of these things. And then Titus 2 reminds us that self-control is an instructor. Um, so Titus and Titus it mentions that self-control is our instructor. It's training us for, um, for our future hope in Christ. It's training us in grace. And I think we turned there last week, but we realized in Titus that our primary motivation for self-control is grace, is the grace of Christ. Um, and so we're going to hopefully, uh, I know that was a, a bit of a blitz, Um, But hopefully let's unpack these things a little bit here. What does this actually look like in our lives as we work to apply and uh, know these truths more uh, more fully? So any questions before I move on or thoughts on these? I know we hit them pretty quickly. Yeah, Jeff. I just know something that seems to be amazing with the first Peter. Thank you for taking us through all of those the next slide that you put on there be what you are First Peter takes 12 indicative verses before you get to the first imperative in that letter mm-hmm. therefore be sober minded mm-hmm. Peter reminds us who we are already yeah. and just how precious of a reminder it is to go back to that truth Amen. he takes it's a, a long time really if you unpack every single indicative and then finally get to this this uh, area that's, that's yeah. precious. Yeah. Since God has made us be in Christ. Amen. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the therefore is very loaded in First Peter. <laughs> yeah, if you look at the whole section of First Peter, just beautiful, glorious, future hope, grace that is yours in Christ, living hope. Amen. You know, another thing, Bobby, you mentioned First Peter and Second Peter, he uses the word remind a lot. And basically, we have to constantly be reminded of this. We don't just listen to the messages and dive it down. We yeah. have to go back and go back and be reminded of it. Yeah, amen. Yeah. You're forgetful people. Yeah. Good. All right, so let's, um, let's think through a couple things here. Um, 
Bridges talks through some of this, and he identifies some areas that he thinks are, are pretty common for lack of self-control. Um, but I think it might be helpful maybe to, to name some of these. Um, you know, I think we've said throughout this that one of the sobering effects of going through these is that sometimes we have one up here, and I, I'm guilty of this, that I'm like, oh, I'm doing pretty good on that, right? Or another one that's like, oh, that, that hits pretty hard. Um, but I think it's helpful to name specific sins because it's sobering. Um, so what are some areas that we see either personally or maybe even in our culture, uh, society or workplace culture? What are some areas that we commonly see lack of self-control? Or what are some specific areas of struggle here? I think an easy one to start with is dessert. <laughs> <laughs> right. Especially uh, happy yeah. cinnamon rolls last night. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, overindulgence, food. <laughs> yeah. At work, sometimes I'm going to do email threads that just turn into people not using self-control. And it's hard to think like stuff you in, especially in kind of a passive-aggressive way that one of the things that you yeah yeah no that is yeah getting pulled in we kind of talked a little bit about about that last week with gossip too it's you kind of get the effect of um, lacking self-restraint because you're just going to get wrapped up in it. Yeah. Good. Bobby, just another facet of this that um, I've seen in my whole life is like seeing self-control wrapped up in just um, resistance to things or like seeing it as strictly restraint. And there's like a whole other facet that I struggle with where it's like, man, I'm doing, I'm doing good with restraint, but what about actually actively putting my feelings and emotions aside and like actually initiating in another area as well because mm. that takes self-control too yeah. not just stiff-arming bad things but actually like you said girding up our loins and actually being proactive as well mm. um, it's just a whole other it's got the other side of yeah. self-control yeah um, that I often neglect as well yeah yeah like spiritual disciplines things like that yeah yeah good yeah. Another one is kind of a really broad category, so there could be a lot of applications of it. But um, I think one that's really important is just taking things to the Lord and trusting Him when life either doesn't go our way or when we're afraid it might not. Um, and that can manifest itself when you don't do that. It can manifest itself in a bunch of ways. Like we've got terms for it, like being stressed out or being worried, or um, um, it could even be self-pity, depression, anxiety. Um, or being testy with somebody else, mm-hmm. um, all those things could go back to that same same thing of not trusting the Lord for those difficult things, or those things that you're just afraid might happen. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I could trust. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Bobby. Yeah. Um, real clear example, we see a lot of it in our society, it's in the area of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the greatest example is uh, Joseph 
and Potiphar's wife and just how he exercised self-control uh, to the max. And uh, yeah. anyway, and that's an area that uh, is crucial in this. Yeah, fleeing the other way yeah. and then being punished uh, by the law for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. Sure. And just in how we respond to things, like we're doing great until so-and-so says that one thing, and then we just feel like we have the right to yeah. let go and say whatever we want. Yeah, Whether yeah. Harsh words or, like, retaliating. There's yeah. a lot of responses. Yeah, it's easy to justify it when we feel like we've been sinned against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, knowing our limits is a, is a means of where we're at within our, our, our growth. So I, here's a common one for me is sleep. Hmm. I uh, struggle at times heavily with putting off sleep, pretending like it's not needed. And then that, uh, that reduces my physical capacity, which then affects how I treat my children hmm. or the words that I pick or how I deal with problems. And it all comes back to this, you know, I, I have limits as a human hmm. being. Hmm. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a physical part of me that, yeah. I, need to, uh, that I need to maintain yeah. for the good of what I need to do and then how I relate to other people. So just yeah. lacking self-control of where our limits are, where our limits lie. Yeah, it's a good reminder. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Um, I think something that I've been convicted of pretty recently, or kind of ongoing, is self-control in the area of sense of commission is a little bit easier to do. But then, like, doesn't seem terrible in the grand scheme of things, but that verse hits it right on the head. Like, oh, just a quick little word. Like, let me just quickly check the news. And that, uh, yeah, like that, that is an avenue for other sin because I'm practicing getting into what I feel, not doing what I know. Yeah, yeah, sure. As, a, as an escape potentially from stress or some other situation, yeah, I think that's so common. Yeah.
do something else. Mm -hmm. You know, this time of year it might be you're at work and you need to start work on something, and then you suddenly remember, oh yeah, I didn't forget that gift for that person. And best case scenario, you simply go to your task list and put it on there. Worst case scenario, you're already surfing right through <laughs> And either it's making up keeping us from being productive and being done the sure. things we have us to do. Yeah. Or it's related to that, but we're we're an hourly employee, so we aren't so focused on the outcome, but we're stealing from our employer by doing that. Yeah. Or even things like hey, it's time to go to bed, right? Because I need to get rest so that I can get up on the morning and, and serve the Lord, mm-hmm. and rather I'm getting distracted by mm-hmm. things on my mm-hmm. phone. So there's distractions and the self-control to say no yeah, to distractions. Yeah. I know what on my task list, what I must do today will be pleasing to the Lord, yeah. and stick to those things yep. and avoid distractions. Yeah, that's a really good reminder. Amen. Yeah, yeah. I would just add one more thing, too. Um, when we talk about self-control being you know, paired to a fruit of the Spirit, right? This is a fruit of the Spirit. Then I think the area that, you know, I need to continue to work on self-control in my own life is uh, in the spiritual disciplines. You know, am I finding my joy in God, in the gospel, in the first part of the day? Um, Because if self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, and in order to produce that, I have to walk in the Spirit, then in order to do that, I have to obey God in walking in the spirit and part of that is mm-hmm. you know being in the word and um, yeah. um in all the spiritual disciplines amen yeah i think that's a good segue um we've hit a lot of these i think these are the three that bridges brings out we didn't hit finances but uh, certainly impulse buying this time of year and things like that are are huge <coughs> and good reminders uh, so attacking this at its roots um actually i'm going to go to this quote because it's basically what Ethan just said and it's a good reminder and then we'll come back Um, but I thought this was a really good quote by David Mathis he says turn your eyes and attention yes he means like away from what you're distracted towards but not to a mere diversion but to the source of true change and real power that's outside yourself where you can lawfully indulge the key to self-control is not inward but upward and I just think that's so true uh, we see that in the scripture. The key to self-control is delighting more in Christ. Um, it is to um, replace, uh, if, you, if you go back to Thomas Chalmers, the expulsive power of a new affection. Um, it is to take these, if we're running to this thing or that thing for comfort, uh, run to Christ, right? Um, he is our true delight. He's the source of our true delight. Um, so I think that is super helpful. Um, as we think through this, I know we're out of time, uh, but just this week, uh, as you kind of self-reflect on these things, um, just remember this is rooted in hope. Uh, Christ has paid for all of your sins and my sins, if you're trusting in him, of lack of self-control. They are paid for, they're done, they've been nailed to the cross. As far as the east is from the west, they're cast away from God. So be encouraged. Um, I know it's easy to get dragged down, but, uh, Christ has paid sufficiently for all of these, and then run. Now pick up, pick up the, uh, pick up the loins if you want to use the analogy and run uh, this week in light of that gospel. Um, so, with this, I keep putting this up here, but First Peter two is a great encouragement um, at Christ who had the ultimate self control when he was reviled. He did not return that revilement. So look to Christ as not only your Savior, but also the perfect example 
of everything, self-control, righteousness, and all of the above, because um, it's him we get to serve, and that's a huge delight. So uh, let me pray, and then we'll close up. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. As we reflect on these sins, Lord, I, I know in my heart I uh, am struck by how often I commit these sins and don't realize it or just neglect that. Um, and yet, Lord, in your word, you have encouraged us, you've told us um, that Christ has paid for these sins. And rather than this being a license to continue to commit them, Lord, we realize that this is a freedom that we have to pursue Christ now. And I just pray that you would embolden us as we go through our week to be more and more like Christ in the area of self-control. Um, I just pray that it would be not self-focused, but Christ-focused, and only for your glory and your kingdom that we do this. And I just pray that um, you would uh, watch over us this week as we do that. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.